The Michigan Wolverines beat the Purdue Boilermakers 41-13 to to earn their ninth win of the season, sixth win in 2023 Big Ten Conference play, and 998th win overall as a football program. That's right. Michigan only needs to earn two more wins this season to reach 1,000 wins all time, which as a Michigan fan and student and a college football and Big Ten football enthusiast, that is awesome. And programs like Alabama, Ohio State, Penn State, and hopefully Nebraska, even though we'll talk about their disastrous loss later today, hopefully those programs reach that milestone soon, and they likely will because I don't see... Ohio State, Alabama, or Penn State slowing down, and I think Nebraska is still heading in the right direction under rule. But Michigan faces Penn State in six days. They face Ohio State in less than a month. According to FPI, Michigan is projected to split those two games, basically, going 11-1. and And during the bye week, I expected Michigan to improve their run game. Um, what I didn't expect probably should have expected, was for them to come out a little bit rusty. Because there was a lot of rust, specifically on the offensive line, that needed to be chiseled off. And I'm glad that Michigan was facing Purdue in this game, and not Ohio State, or not Penn State, or not Alabama, or LSU, or Washington, or Oregon, or Georgia, just to name several games that I think yesterday, specifically, would have given Michigan a very hard time and and perhaps would have beaten them, given how Michigan played. The 41-13 win was one of the more impressive wins of the weekend, and I'm saying that to say that Michigan played a game similar to the one they played against Bowling Green, with all the, you know, missed throws they had, and the muffed punt, flukish turnover, but a turnover that is critical, that signals ineptitude, and the special teams overall was rusty because of that, and also one of Michigan's returners running into Jake Thaw, running into his own guy. The special teams unit and the offensive line was rusty, to say the least. J.J. McCarthy, I think he had his worst game yesterday, and ESPN's quarterback efficiency rating would agree with me. Outside of the Bowling Green game, he had his worst performance. Um, he had a 70, 72.1 quarterback efficiency rating against Purdue, a 140.9 passer rating. He was sacked three times. He did throw for 335 yards, and he had 37 passing attempts. Purdue's defense is good at getting to the quarterback. They're one of the better defenses in the Big Ten and in college football when it comes to rushing the passer. But outside of that, they're mediocre at stopping the run, though they were were good at doing that against Michigan. And their secondary is underwhelming, to say the least. That's why Michigan was able to throw for 335 yards on them. Michigan was successful when it came to third downs. Michigan's worst quarter was, in truth, the second quarter, where Purdue outscored them 6-3. to three. Nonetheless, Michigan was 7-14 to 14 on third down, 0-1 on fourth down. That was a very concerning play when Michigan went for it in their own territory. 
I support that call. I think that's the right call. With Michigan, even with performances produced by the offensive line like the one against Purdue and other games that have been substandard, to say the least, against East Carolina and UNLV, for example, with the offensive line that you have and with Blake Corum and Kalel Mullings, you run that. You either you know have that you know quick little push handoff that's you know shotgun, but closer to the offensive line. Quick handoff, both the running back and quarterback are moving forward into the interior of the offensive line. Michigan's interior O line actually got pushed, but whether it was Carson Barnhart, Ladarius Henderson, Miles Hinton, or Trente Jones, Michigan's tackles have not been performing to the level that I thought they would, and very often Purdue's defensive ends, defensive tackles, outside linebackers with sometimes their unorthodox and unique five-man front, four-man front, three-man front, whatever Purdue was running, they were able to contain Michigan and beat them on the outside. And that's what happened on that fourth and one is Purdue's outside linebackers, edge rushers, they got to Mullings before he was able to surge into that successful push by Zach Zinner, Trevor Keegan, and Drake Nugent. I think that Michigan, their overall performance yesterday, combined with a ground attack that has struggled at times throughout the season, along with an offensive tackle room that, over the past three games, has allowed eight total sacks whether it's Miles Hinton, Trente Jones, Ladarius Henderson, Carson Barnhart, there is either some rust that needs to be taken off in the offensive tackle room, or we just have to accept reality that this offensive line is not going to be as good as last year's offensive line for the whole season. But maybe if Michigan goes to the college football playoffs, maybe this offensive line will be better performing than the last two in the postseason. Who knows? But the overall performance, the rushing attack, the pass protection, and the secondary allowing at least one, two, maybe three at most, though they are quite rare, big passing plays, all of those are causes for concern. Penn State, I know, does not have a vaunted passing attack. And even though Aller had a 97 quarterback efficiency rating yesterday, Maryland, their defense, and particularly their secondary, sucks. If you disagree with that, Northwestern's Brendan Sullivan had an 82 quarterback efficiency rating against them, which is just abysmal. No one should be letting Northwestern's quarterback function to that degree. And Aller is only averaging 6.6 yards per passing attempt, but he doesn't turn over the football. Keandre Lambert-Smith is a great near-elite wide receiver, and Aller has a cannon of an arm. So I could totally see him earning one or two elite deep shots for completions against Michigan. Kyle McCord doesn't have the same arm strength that Drew Aller does. I think Drew Aller actually has a higher ceiling than McCord. McCord's just right now performing at a much better level. I think mainly because of his experience and better coaching and also better supporting cast. Speaking of that supporting cast, Marvin Harrison Jr. with his playmaking could totally take advantage of Michigan's issues in the secondary. 
and Penn State's defensive line, Ohio State's defensive line, those are defenses that will take advantage of Michigan's pass protection issues. Again, many of these things are fixable. Michigan doesn't have a bad offensive tackle room. They don't have a bad run game. They don't have a bad secondary. All of those positions, Michigan is great to, I would say, elite in. But I have to nitpick, and I have to call it like I see it, because Michigan plays at Penn State in six days, and they play Ohio State in less than a month. They need to play their B-plus or A-minus scheme at a minimum, preferably their A-plus scheme if they want to go 12-0, and at 13 and 0 winning the Big 10 and have a chance to go 15 and 0 and win it all. Right now Penn State has the advantage in a three-way tie scenario. Their West Division opponents have the best combined record. Though in a three-way tie scenario, we won't know who has the edge until the end of the season because I think the Big 10 West right now is the most unpredictable sector of all of FBS football. Anyone can beat anyone. I mean Indiana just beat Wisconsin yesterday. You heard that right. Tom Allen's first and potentially only Big Ten win of the season came against Luke Fickle's Wisconsin. And we'll talk about Michigan State and Nebraska later today because that was a a bad loss for Matt Rule. Great win, though, for Harlan Barnett. And he he was competent as a CEO and as a game manager and as a head coach yesterday against Nebraska, but we're talking about Michigan here. Michigan was challenged, but they still dominated. They just didn't dominate in the way that I quite expected. I predicted 59-7 was my score prediction, and many had Michigan covering the spread. Well, for the first time since their performance against Bowling Green, Michigan, more so Michigan's opponent, covered the spread against Rutgers. That's why I paused there as I remembered the Rutgers game. The Scarlet Knights didn't cover, nor did Michigan. There was just no action on the spread. Michigan won by 24. They were favored to win by 24. Therefore, there was no action on the spread. But Michigan dominated despite their challenges. And J.J. McCarthy was tested, but overall he was a good quarterback. He persisted through the challenges He was 24 of 37 for 335 passing yards. He was sacked three times. Overall, he had negative yardage, negative 31 rushing yards to be exact. On the season, though, he still has 137 yards rushing, 37 carries. He's averaging 3.7 yards per rush, and that's sack adjusted, and he has three rushing touchdowns. He is a capable scrambler, whether it was the Hail Mary or earlier in the game, or later in the game, when he was constantly maneuvering around the pocket, you can see his speed. This season's J.J. McCarthy, and I've said this before, reminds me a lot of last year's Stetson Bennett with a higher ceiling, stronger arm, of course factoring in the fact that Bennett was a walk-on and J.J. McCarthy was a a five-star quarterback. McCarthy's ability to maneuver, make plays, especially make plays outside of the pocket, where as of last night, he was completing 90% of his passes outside of the pocket. Purdue was stacking the box, and they were sending a lot of pressure, and they weren't afraid to go wide on their defensive line front. 
to try and cage J.J. McCarthy and prevent him from making those plays outside the pocket. It was a genius defensive strategy by Ryan Walters and Purdue's staff. But McCarthy nonetheless threw for 335 yards. Roman Wilson had a season high in receiving yards. He has 589 receiving yards on the year and 10 receiving touchdowns. He had 143 receiving yards on nine receptions against Purdue, averaging 15.9 yards per reception. He's averaging 16.4 yards per reception on the year. Michigan last night also struggled with drops. There were some throws made by J.J. McCarthy that I thought were phenomenal throws, or at least good, great throws, but his receivers didn't come down with the ball. There were other throws where J.J. McCarthy was missing players by anywhere from a yard to five yards. Michigan was off kilter. They were challenged. I think in the same way that Michigan wanted to humiliate Purdue and wanted to play good football, I think Ryan Walters, given his words pre-game about Michigan and the sign-stealing, I imagine that Purdue was motivated, and more specifically, Ryan Walters was motivated to to prove themselves against the Wolverines. And, and there's optimism regarding Purdue football after this game. They showed that they can put up a fight, and I think a game like this and other games that Purdue has played are reasons for optimism regarding Ryan Walters. But Purdue, unfortunately, falls to 2-7, and seven, and they only have one win. One win in Big Ten Conference play. They're 1-5, beating Illinois 44-19. That is just... That's making me smile right now, thinking about that. That's not a good Brett Bielema moment. But Brett Bielema did beat Minnesota by one yesterday. What is it with P.J. Fleck finding ways to lose to Illinois and these other programs that he should be? He's 0-3 against Brett Bielema. P.J. Fleck is, by the way. Michigan's passing offense was great. The rushing attack, less than desirable. Michigan struggled to rush for more than four yards per carry. Purdue was stacking the box all night, daring Michigan to throw. Michigan ended up winning by 28 points, again, 41 to 13. Michigan's defense allowed the most points they have all season long, but they gave up that touchdown very late in the fourth quarter. And Deion Burks, great wide receiver. So there's no shame in Michigan's performance. Defensively, they played a perfect game in my mind. They had one sack, three tackles for loss, but six passes deflected. The secondary outside of that one play that Mike Sainer still, where he allowed Deion Burks to torch him, and another play where Mershon Rice had a 43-yard reception on a, a freshman defensive back whose name, whose name I forget. I'm trying to find him here on the box score, but I don't know if he recorded a single tackle. I think he was just in coverage very briefly. I, I forget his name. Some of you probably know it, so tell me in the comment section below. There were two big plays that Michigan allowed through the air. One of them was on a freshman corner who Michigan's rotating guys in this game, and they have been throughout the season just to gain experience. Michigan, I think, is the deepest team in all of college football. Ohio State defensively, there's an argument there, though offensively we have to talk about that, of course. And then there's Georgia, Alabama, teams like Ohio State who just have 
crazy amount of blue chip talent to where they're automatically deep and full of NFL bodies, even in their too deep. Michigan's developed guys to that point. And this defense, I'll, I'll say it here before the Wolverines have played anyone in the country, I think this is the best defense in all of college football. They don't make mistakes outside of, again, one, maybe two times a game, and really only one time a game or less if you count big plays allowed that actually matter and aren't later in the game when Michigan's pulled away and there isn't enough time to mount a historic comeback. Michigan's defense doesn't make mistakes. They shut down the run. They defend the pass. Hudson Card only averaged 5.1 yards per pass attempt. Purdue ran for 4.3 yards per carry. Tyrone Tracy did break off a few big runs at the end of the game when Purdue had that touchdown drive. Michigan ran for 110 yards, 3.2 yards per carry. They had five rushing touchdowns. Samaj Morgan had a nice end-around play for 44 yards on one carry for a touchdown. That was awesome to watch. So it's good to see that Michigan can get their outside run game involved, be creative, have some trickery, and use that and their athleticism and their speed to their advantage because Purdue is doing an elite job of slowing down Michigan's run game. Michigan, anytime they ran into the box, they got three, four, maybe five or more yards per carry, but that was very rare. This defensive front with Kydron Jenkins is great for Purdue. There are a lot of high-ceiling players there. Nick Scorton, Cole Brevard, Yanni Karloftis, Sanusi Kane, two passes defended a tackle for loss. He had six solo tackles. He unfortunately was down. I forget if he returned in the game or not, but I know that he was down. He was injured. Hopefully he's okay and healthy. We hate injuries on this channel. Will Johnson recorded an interception. There's just... So much to like about this team. Unfortunately, the offensive line was rusty. J.J. McCarthy was rusty, and having mediocre protection in this game specifically doesn't help his chances whatsoever. Nonetheless, he averaged 9.1 yards per pass attempt. A 72.1 quarterback efficiency rating for an off day is great. And passing for over 300 yards and playing for all four quarters is good practice because he is going to have to play in all four quarters against Penn State, Ohio State. If Michigan goes 12-0 and or 11-1 and but win the tiebreaker, he'll have to play for all four quarters, potentially in the Big Ten championship game, even though we know that whether it's Penn State, Ohio State, or Michigan, whoever wins the East is probably going to blow out the team that wins the West, who at this point's unknown. Iowa's the favorite, but with how Rutgers has played, I think Rutgers is going to beat Iowa and that game against Nebraska at the end of the year is going to be very important for both the Cornhuskers and for the Hawkeyes. But we'll just have to wait and see. And then if they reach the college football playoff, the Wolverines, McCarthy will have to play all four quarters in the semifinal, whether it's the Rose Bowl or the Sugar Bowl. And if they win a semifinal for the first time ever, he'll have to play for all four quarters in the national championship game. So it's good practice to get him used to playing for 45, 50, 55, 60 minutes as opposed to 35, 40, 45 at most minutes, which is what he's been playing for for really the previous eight games. He hasn't played a full 
four quarters, I think all season long, this game being the first. So it's good to get him that experience. I think it's very critical that McCarthy isn't tired out and also that he's protected well in this next three-game stretch. Maryland, Maryland, I know, is a trap game, and I just want to shoot this out there, but with how they looked against Penn State and the fact that they started out 5-0, and they're now 0-4 after starting out 5-0, and they could realistically go 5-7. and I think Maryland, something that I was right about in the preseason is they were going to take a step back defensively. Offensively, they're relatively the same that they were last season. Defensively, losing NFL players they had on that defense and in the secondary and guys transferred out of there in the front seven, realistically, they were going to take a step back. And we're seeing that on the defensive side of the ball, Maryland is losing the war of attrition. Speaking of a team that's losing the war of attrition, Purdue has suffered injury after injury. They're beaten, they're busted, they're broken, but they should be pleased with their performance. They had 269 offensive yards, one touchdown at the end. The defense was impressive, and it held down a Michigan offense that I'm not going to attach myself to this prediction like I did the defense because the offense still has some inconsistencies, but Michigan's offense is a near elite offense, I think at worst, an elite offense potentially at best. And this Purdue defense, they slowed Michigan down. They held Michigan to only completing 50% of their third down conversion attempts. They stopped Michigan short on that fourth and one, which should have been an easy gimme. Michigan last year was extremely effective at converting those fourth and ones, third and ones. In the red zone, Michigan was great at getting into the end zone with Blake Corum. I think if they gave Corum the ball instead of Mullings, Michigan probably picks up that fourth and one. Mullings is a great running back, but he doesn't have the same vision. He can't stop and go like Corum. He doesn't have the same shiftiness. Mullings is currently a straight line running back. He will run on you vertically, and if he finds speed and space, he's very dangerous. He's not Blake Corum, though. And I like using Mullings. I think, though, on a fourth and one moving forward, you you have to give it to Corum. That lower center of gravity, that BMI, that, that muscle, weight, speed, low again, low center of gravity, I have to mention that because that's part of the reason why Corum is so successful in power situations. Use him. He's one of the best running backs if not the best running back in the nation, despite the fact that he hasn't closed 1,000 yards. Michigan isn't using him for more than typically 10, 15, maybe a little under 20 carries per game. And they're not trying to get big plays out of Corum. They're just trying to feed him touchdowns. Corum right now has 16 rushing touchdowns on the season. Purdue is not able to stop him in the red zone or in first and goal, second and goal, third and goal situations. But the defense was able to get pressure on McCarthy. They got three sacks against him, several tackles for loss. They were able to hold their own at the point of attack against Michigan. And Hudson Card was helpless. He was only sacked once, and Michigan rarely got a tackle for loss. But Purdue struggled to run the football. Often Michigan stopped him at the line, or Purdue gained a yard or two. Michigan getting that many pass deflections. Six, several of those could have been interceptions. 
card was constantly pressured by Michigan just sending four guys or five guys. Michigan you know, didn't go zero blitz, I think, at any except for one or maybe two points in the game. This defense is able to get pressure and able to cage their opposing quarterbacks with just four or five guys. It, it's a great defense that Jesse Minter mans and, as expected, Purdue struggled against said defense. But holding Michigan to just a field goal in the second quarter and forcing them to punt for the first two drives of the third quarter, that's great stuff. That really is great stuff. Purdue should be proud of their performance. Also, end-of-the-game handshake between Ryan Walters and Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh trying to make eye contact and, and trying to shake his hand, and Ryan Walters just staring straight ahead, briefly shaking his hand and then moving on. There is definitely not just a motivation from Michigan to prove the, the world wrong and to win. I think there's a motivation from inside the Big Ten Conference to humiliate Michigan. So I'm curious to see how the mutual emotion in these next three games and in the Big Ten Championship game, if the Wolverines do in fact make it to Indy, how that all works out. I'm very curious. Um, You saw that, I think, in the handshake you saw that in the inspired performance by Purdue, whether it was on offense, though it didn't matter whether they were inspired on offense or not, Michigan shut them down, or on defense where Purdue was far more successful. Hudson Card, he still has another year or I think maybe two of eligibility. I think that the longer he's in Graham Harrell's system and if Purdue is able to use the portal and successfully recruit, he can become a good quarterback. Right now, his supporting cast is just totally broken. Um, and Devin Mockaby nearly fumbled yesterday as well. So whether it's the run game or just pass protection, Purdue is helpless against elite defenses. And you saw that against Ohio State as well. Purdue should be happy with their defensive effort and the fact that their kicker was able to make their field goals and that their special teams unit recovered a fumble, a muffed punt. But you can't be happy with a loss. Purdue falls to 2-7 and seven on the season. I talked about Purdue after their loss to Nebraska that I think they need to find games to win. Just finishing 2-10 and 10 would be absolutely horrible, and I think that would really be a downer on the year when I know, and I think you all know, that Purdue has enough talent to go four and eight or five and seven, looking at things from a preseason angle. Right now they're two and seven. And I highly doubt they're going to go three and oh against Minnesota, Northwestern, and Indiana, just given the struggles of Purdue and the fact that Indiana, Northwestern, and Minnesota, right now, I mean they have easier schedules than Purdue had, but they also have better records. And those teams, I think, all outside of Indiana or maybe Northwestern are more consistent than Purdue. It would be critical of Ryan Walters and his staff to find a win, whether it's against Minnesota at home, who looks extremely vulnerable, or Northwestern on the road, or Indiana in their rivalry game to close out the season. I think it's paramount that Purdue at least garners one I'd say preferably two more wins, though, to finish out the year 4-8. and eight. I think going 
2-1 and one in this next three-game stretch would give a lot of reason for hope for next season's schedule, next season's football team. I think that Ryan Walters is a great defensive mind. I think that was showcased last night, and I think he is a good head coach. I, I'm very high on him, and I hope that I hope that his team wins some games because that will give Michigan and also Ohio State since the Buckeyes played Purdue, but it'll give Michigan a better cross-divisional combined conference record. So Purdue wins. That might help Michigan win if they get themselves in a three-way tie. But as a Michigan fan, let's hope that that doesn't happen. If you're a Penn State fan, that's the that's the dream scenario at this point. Penn State's best hope of winning the Big Ten or going to the playoffs is winning that three-way tie because they already have a loss to Ohio State. And Ohio State, they're probably going to go 11-0 entering the game. Michigan, I would say right now there's a pretty good chance they go 11-0 entering the game, but they have to face Penn State on the road. And it's almost impossible to win at Penn State if you're not Ohio State. So that's going to be an interesting game that I think as soon as tomorrow night, I'm going to make a way-too-early preview video on. And I'm going to, on Tuesday, make a full-on preview and prediction video on. By the way, I didn't do this just because I'm emotional about this game, partially because of the poor performance, but also because I'm excited to just talk football all day today. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and click the notification bell so you can get notified when I make more college football content and so you can get notified when I make that way too early Penn State versus Michigan preview and give some of my thoughts on both teams. That video will be more just you know giving the facts, making my observations, but not making a prediction. I'd probably give a hint to my prediction in my analysis of how the teams have performed, but that video will be trying to give you the information by itself and letting you make your own prediction based off of the information that I give you. J.J. McCarthy carried a bigger load than usual, and he succeeded. If J.J. McCarthy threw for 355, or 335, rather, yards, and he had 37 passing attempts, averaged 9 yards per pass attempt, and had 24 completions, and he does this against Penn State or Ohio State, that's an elite performance, given the defense he's faced. And given the fact that he's typically performed much higher than this, against similar competition and better defenses like Nebraska's on the road or Minnesota's defense, I'd say, is similar to Purdue's, but I think they have a better secondary, just an inferior pass rush. I think that J.J. McCarthy can achieve a similar level of success like this against elite defenses, given that he's done much better than the level of play he had last night against Purdue. He's done much better against... Rutgers, Nebraska, who have better defenses than Purdue. So this is a success, I think, for J.J. McCarthy. Is it his best game? Far from it. Does he need to perform better than he did on you know, making accurate throws when he faces Penn State and Ohio State and also plays against Maryland in what will likely be a trap game? Of course. But if on the stat sheet, he has over 300 passing yards and nearly 40 passing attempts, and he's still completing over 60% of his passes against a top-tier opponent, and he has no turnovers. That's an extremely successful day. 
Michigan had 445 total offensive yards, and they had five touchdowns, all of them coming on the ground from Blake Corum, Samaj Morgan, Donovan Edwards even recorded a touchdown run, which is good. I hope that Donovan Edwards finds a game to pop off. I don't know if he will all year long, but we have to remember as college football fans and and Penn State fans, Ohio State fans, I want to give you this warning. Donovan Edwards' two best games last year were against Penn State and Ohio State. And in many other games where he wasn't the starter, he was pretty mediocre or he was banged up and he couldn't play. Thankfully, he's been healthier this year. I just, I'm not going to predict Donovan Edwards to break out this season. At this point, it's, I'll believe it when I see it. But there is an itching part of me that wonders if in, in big games in the past season, is when he has shown his brightest colors and when he has performed at his best. I wonder if against Penn State or Ohio State, especially if, you know, Penn State sends a blitz package and their gap integrity is near perfect, but there's one hole and he gets through, or against Ohio State, given the fact that Michigan's going to be the best passing offense they've faced, I think Ohio State's defense will have to make a lot of decisions and they'll have to be more aggressive against this Michigan offense. If something similar happens, if he gets into open space, if he breaks a tackle, he's taking it home. So factor that in when you know previewing Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and who you think will win there. Because I don't think Donovan Edwards is a non-factor for that reason. But once again, averaging around 2 3 one yard per carry. He averaged 2.6 yards per carry. He had a long of seven. On that long of seven, he nearly broke through and took it to the house. I mean, he is itching for a long run. And I think once he gets a long run of some kind and his confidence increases, because I think right now he's in his own head, he'll have success. I mean, Michigan's running back room, I think between them, Oregon, Notre Dame, those are the elite running back rooms of college football. They are. Um, Oregon, I think, has possibly college football's best offensive line right now. Maybe Washington. I mean, Washington ran for nearly 300 yards on USC. USC's defense is trash. That's also because Washington has an elite offensive line. Dylan Johnson's a good running back, maybe great running back. I mean, he had a phenomenal day best performance of all running backs in college football yesterday against USC. I don't think he's an elite running back or maybe even a great running back. He just has a really good offensive line that opens up holes and great supporting casts. In fact, don't take away from a great performance by a player because great supporting casts help develop players into being great. That's part of the reason why JJ McCarthy has made so much progress from last year to this year. Not only does he have good coaching, but his wide receiver core is good and has improved every year he's been at Michigan. Last year, he was protected, rarely got sacked, rarely got pressured, so he was given time to to learn and observe the field. Um, Great supporting casts make great players. And speaking of great players and great supporting casts, this is an NFL-level defense that Michigan has. Whether it's Chris Jenkins, 
Mason Graham, Makari Page, Michael Barrett, um, Braden McGregor, who got pressure all the time, Josiah Stewart, Mike Sainra still, uh, Josh Wallace, Rayshon Benny, Will Johnson, Rod Moore, Kenneth Grant, Junior Colson, Ernst Hausman. This defense is full, full of future NFL, not just players, but starters. Right now, Michigan is allowing less than a touchdown per game when you look at their scoring defense. That is, that's crazy. That's absolutely nuts. I know that Michigan, they haven't played anyone with a pulse compared to the Wolverines. Michigan is like a 25-year-old heart in its prime with a perfect diet, and they've been playing hearts that are 80 years old of people that have been stressed for their entire lives. The competition is not fair. But they're allowing 6.7 points per game, and with how Penn State's offense has functioned and how Ohio State's offense has functioned, they could be allowing 9 nine points per game entering the Big Ten Championship game if they go 13-0, and and if they play to the potential that I think we all know that they have. This defense is... I think after this game, I can confidently say this defense is the heart and soul of the team. The offense and the special teams are the units, the broad units of the ball that have had their problems. The defense occasionally in the secondary, maybe once every game or once every other game on a play that matters, or one or two times per game if you count garbage time and you know plays in the late third or fourth quarter against backups, Michigan secondary allows a big play. They're great against the run, they're great against the pass, they're great fundamentally, they don't miss tackles, they get pressure, even if they don't get home, they create pressure, and their defensive backs and linebackers can create coverage sacks and coverage pressure as well. And Hudson Card was able to run on Michigan a few times, so against, I'd say, Drew Aller and Talia Tagovailoa, don't be afraid to use a quarterback spy. Michigan very likely, if they get to the college football playoff, is going to be facing a quarterback who's more mobile than any quarterback they've faced all year outside of Heinrich Harburg. And Heinrich Harburg's offensive line is horrid. So do not be afraid of using quarterback spies. Don't be. Your secondary for 95% of the game, Jesse Minner, can cover just about anyone in the country, save for Marvin Harrison Jr., The rush attack is concerning. This is the final point that I want to close on. Michigan has to run the football better because that's the identity of the team. Now, maybe maybe I'm overreacting here, and maybe it's not as big of a concern as I'm making out to be because opponents are stacking the box against Michigan, and if Penn State and Ohio State, or really if anyone in the country, is stacking 7, 8, maybe nine players within five yards of the line of scrimmage, which Purdue did often last night, even the best secondary in the world or in the past 20 years is going to allow some passing plays when you're stacking the box that much. So maybe Michigan will have this same rushing attack, at least on the box score throughout the year, but because they can get three yards in a cloud of dust and Blake Corum can power forward in the red zone, Maybe Michigan continues to pass for 250 to 300 yards per game, and they rush for 100 to 150 
for three to four, maybe five yards per carry. And maybe they go 15-0 that way. I mean, that is a possibility. But I would prefer to see the run game have a day where they just explode and they can't be stopped because that would reflect on the offensive line. And this offensive line at this current moment is closer to the 2021 offensive line than the 2022 offensive line. And we know how the 2021 offensive line performed in the postseason. Granted against a generational defense with generational talent, I think 0-1 Miami's defense and some of the Alabama defenses when Smart was the defensive coordinator there were better managed and were more disciplined. But in terms of raw talent, that might have been the most talented defense of all time. Anyway, I'm not saying that Michigan and this offensive line would get punked in the postseason, but the 2022 offensive line, I think, was a product of overlooking TCU and of not giving them adequate preparation in the same way that Michigan did with basically everyone else on their regular season schedule. That offensive line was elite. And if Michigan doesn't win a national championship this season, it's safe to say that 2022's offensive line was totally wasted, given how good that team was. So if Michigan can run the football better, that would be absolutely, I mean, that would be, that'd be absolutely great. But that's what I wanted to end on today, was talking about the rushing attack, because Blake Corum's averaging around, he averaged around three yards per carry last night. He's averaging 5.2 yards per carry on the year with 16 rushing touchdowns. He knows how to find the end zone. I still think, looking at how he functions with the O-line and how he powers through, he's definitely the nation's best running back from a power perspective. I want to see more games played from a lot of these other teams, and also I want to see how good Blake Corum is against Penn State and Ohio State before I say that he's the best running back in all of college football. But he's an elite player. I still think he can hit that number one spot. In fact, I'd be inclined to say that he is. But Michigan right now is one of the weakest strength of schedules in all of college football. And there are running backs like Bucky Irving, Jordan James, Audric Estime, Travion Henderson, who has missed a few games. But, I mean, Travion Henderson is single-handedly giving Ohio State a rushing attack, especially since Mayan Williams is sadly out for the season. Thank you all for watching this video. If you want to support this channel, check out my Patreon page via the link in the description. Please like this video and comment your thoughts down below. And thanks to Crash2488 and Anthony McDowell, also known as Chimichanga Guy, for being Heisman patrons. Thank you to Spencer Bringhurst, Noah DDLC, and SFS Inverted, who's always engaging on my YouTube and Patreon comments. Thank you for being all-American Patreon supporters. And... Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, and Austin Christmas, thank you for being all-conference patrons. I'm hoping that potential power will be up potentially as soon as tomorrow night, if not Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, thankfully, someone was very kind enough, despite being very busy and very successful. Someone reached out and is helping me with that. You, by the way know who you are, and I will be, if you're okay with it, I'll be announcing your name to um, people when potential powers up, because you deserve all the credit for the work that you're doing. Have a great day, guys, and I will see you all around. Bye-bye.